Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a rather big story, I think, although I'm not sure it's going to be reported as one. As over the past couple of days, Electronic Arts has revealed the votes that it has received at its annual meeting, and they represent a pretty significant mutiny of their publicly owned stock shareholder base. So without further ado, let's talk about this whole issue. There are going to be some complicated legal documents here. Hopefully, I can help walk you through them. If you haven't seen a proxy request statement or an annual meeting description of a large public corporation, there's a lot of paper to go through here, but we're going to skip to only the most important parts. Now, Electronic Arts is a public company. Now, that means that its shares are held in general by the public. They are traded on secondary stock exchanges, the ones that you see in movies with everybody yelling and holding up paper at each other. But it also means that because they are public, they have to make filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission of the United States on a very regular basis. Now, the SEC in and of itself is something that looks at these things, but this is primarily to notify ownership, shareholders, potential investors in electronic art stock of basically what's happening at the company. If you're interested in any of this, or if you wind up more interested after this video, you can check out really every public company's issuances in their investor relations pages. Here, Electronic Arts is no exception. You can see page after page after page. And after all that scrolling, we're only down to January of 2020. So there is a lot of paperwork that winds up getting filed for a public company. It's a bit of a lawyer employment act on the security side, if you want my honest opinion. But all that being said, it does mean that for folks like us who are interested in these kinds of things, who are interested in the way these companies operate, we get to see behind the curtain a lot. And in this case, that is no exception. So over this summer, Electronic Arts prepared for its annual meeting. Now, if you aren't familiar with how corporate governance works, it's one of those things that we kind of have to know foundationally to understand what's happening here. A corporation has as its head the board of directors, a series of individuals that help shape exactly what direction the actual company is going to go. And they hire the executives that are going to run the company, the CEO, the CFO, the COO, all those good C-level executives that you know and love and you see on CNN or anywhere else. And the board hires those individuals to run the company, the day-to-day -day operations of the company. But how did the board get elected? The board gets elected by the shareholders. So in terms of governance, the way you think about how a corporation works is that the shareholders vote up the board and the board appoints the officers. Very similar, really, to the organization of a state or a country, in the case of the United States, where the voters elect their representatives and the representatives do things like put together agencies that actually perform the day-to-day -day functions of the country in and of itself. So a corporation operates the same way. But it's important to note then that the true power of the company is supposed to rest with the shareholders, just like the true power of the country is supposed to rest with the voters. And so when the board of directors is preparing for an annual meeting, which is a requirement for a corporation, they put forth a big package of material that says, here's what we did last year. Here's why you should love what we are doing in general. Here's how we are a good board. Here's how the management is a good management. Here's how we're all doing a good job. And here are some proposals that you will vote on. And we as the board don't have the power, but we can recommend which direction you should vote on these things. And very often, 
the shareholders of a publicly traded company will just follow along with what the board recommends. So here you see their proxy notification for their annual meeting, which took place on August 6th of this year, just a, a week or so ago. And they had four major agenda items. They had elect the nine members of the board of directors again. We recommend that you do that, says the board. Please vote for us again. An advisory vote to approve named executive officer compensation, which is what we will check out. But basically it's a vote to say, we're doing the right thing with respect to compensation. And they say, hey, yeah, vote for that. We're, we're a good board and we're doing the right thing. Ratification of our accounting firm, KPMG, vote for that. To consider and vote upon a stockholder proposal. So if you are a stockholder of a publicly traded company, you can submit proper written materials to the company and then they have to put in their package the delivery of the proposal and then the board will almost always recommend against whatever the shareholder has offered because they didn't offer it themselves. And so it's no surprise here that the shareholders have said, hey, we want to be able to act by written consent, which I will discuss a little bit more when we get to that point in time. And the board says, no, don't vote for that one. Vote for everything that we've proposed. Don't vote for this shareholder proposal. And please follow those recommendations. And so that's what you get if you are an electronic arts uh, shareholder. You get all this paperwork. You get page after page after page after page after page after page after page of information. But ultimately, what we are interested in are these proposals. So proposal one is election of the directors. And so here the board puts forth its slate of nine individuals and says the board of directors recommends a vote for each of the nominees. That's pretty simple, right? But you do get to vote on them separately and you can do different things with those votes. And we will see that there's actually one interesting vote that happens as a part of this slate that is also happening with respect to everything else occurring at this company, a lot of which is more exciting than just voting up the board of directors. This second proposal is the one that I think is likely to get reported on the most, although proposal four is, in my opinion, at least as interesting. Here is proposal two. It's an advisory vote to approve named executive officer compensation. And note how they describe this. And we'll get back to the kind of power structure and corporate governance of a publicly traded company as we look at this. In accordance with the SEC's proxy rules, we seek an advisory, non-binding stockholder vote with respect to the compensation of our NEOs. That's named executive officers, the people we were just talking about for the previous 45 pages, if you read through this whole thing. This vote, which is undertaken by us annually, is not intended to address any specific item of compensation, but rather the overall compensation of our NEOs and the compensation philosophy, policies, and practices as disclosed in this proxy statement. Approval of this proposal, commonly known as a say-on-pay proposal, requires the affirmative vote of a majority of the voting shares present at the annual meeting in person or by proxy and voting for or against the proposal. Standard kind of voting terms. If you are otherwise attending the meeting, whether that's by sending in your proxy statement or actually going there physically, then you have to hit a majority in order for a proposal to go through. Note here the history. We previously have submitted advisory say-on-pay proposals for each fiscal year beginning with fiscal 2011, so nine years, and have received majority stockholder support for the compensation of our NEOs for each of these years. And then they go on and say, hey, we think this is a good idea. We think we're doing a good job with our compensation. But here's the framework for this. As we just talked about, shareholders have the ultimate power of the company, but they don't have the direct power of the officers and management of the company. Instead, the board of directors sets that compensation, among other things. And so they get to decide what the CEO makes, what the CFO makes, and the board of directors will generally have a compensation committee, a smaller section of that board of directors that will handle that function. So if the shareholders are upset 
at the compensation of an officer. Generally speaking, the way that the corporate governance framework is set up in the United States is to say, well, if you are upset with that compensation, the shareholders have the right to vote out their representative. They have the right to change the board of directors, but that's a difficult thing to do. So a lot of rules and regulations have popped up, SEC proxy rules, various stock exchange rules that say, hey, you know what? What you should do is you should have your compensation policies, your philosophy as they describe it here, and you should have the shareholders sign off on it. The shareholders should be able to say, yes, that overall philosophy is a good one. And then you get essentially a year of authority to operate within that philosophy, but to otherwise set the numbers and the framework yourself for individual X or individual Y. It's a rare thing when this particular proposal, which is voted on by a lot of different companies, is knocked down. And so that's going to be one of the stories that we see kind of discussed, I think, in the press and in video game outlets as part of Electronic Arts reporting here. But they have said, hey, just vote up this philosophy. That'll be great. And then the shareholders will not have anything to do with compensation for at least another year until they vote it up again at the next annual meeting. So when they start to talk about what all this is, you see in that proposal reference to go check out our compensation discussion and analysis. That philosophy is actually described throughout all these pages. Now, if you aren't an institutional investor, if you aren't one of these giant companies that otherwise hires people to read through all this stuff, this is very, very difficult to read. It's Byzantine. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't have an accounting background or a legal one. And so one of the things that happens as part of these kinds of proposals is that activist institutional shareholders get involved and say, well, we are going to take a large portion of shares and we are going to say something about this proposal or that proposal. And that's exactly what happened here. Now, if you haven't been in virtual legality before, or if this is your first visit in a long time, a couple of weeks ago, we actually did a discussion about some leaked materials that came out to Bloomberg and Jason Schreier regarding Blizzard salaries and people that were unhappy with those and were comparing them to Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision Blizzard. And one of the things I said in that video was that there's often competition amongst these CEO levels and we don't know what's right and we don't know what's wrong, but ultimately it's not up to us. So it's one of those things that we have to rely upon those individuals in those positions, certainly in customer service all the way down the line and all the way up to the CEO and that the board is responsible for setting those compensation levels. But as part of this conversation that we're now having with Electronic Arts, it's important to note that there are safety valves. They're just rarely used and that the shareholders taking an action against those compensation levels is exactly what you should want to see if you believe in kind of corporate governance and believe that the corporations can look at these things themselves and that shareholders can, in fact, affect the change that they would otherwise seek. So this is one of those areas where we might see a situation like we're about to describe with respect to electronic arts filter out across a number of other video game industry publicly traded companies and Activision Blizzard should be watching this kind of thing uh, with great interest. Now, one of the things that happened with respect to this particular proposal where they said, hey, please shareholders, just vote on our overall philosophy, is that a company by the name of CTW Investment Group sent out a letter to the other electronic arts shareholders. And I apologize for the zoom level on this particular document because of the way it's kind of held on the electronic arts investor relations page. We can't zoom in closer and still get the full width of the document. So just bear with me and I'll read along the important parts and we'll get onto the next page as soon as possible. But CTW sent out a letter to all the electronic arts shareholders and electronic arts is basically uh, has to by law distribute that as part of its uh, proxy materials. And it said as follows. 
We urge you to vote against the say on pay proposal. The company has gone too far in terms of executive pay, piling on exorbitant equity awards to two executives, Blake Jorgensen and Kenneth Moss, and paying multi-million dollar bonuses following worker layoffs. While shareholders have benefited from appreciation in the company's stock price over the long term, that's an important point, we believe that these gains do not permit the company to indiscriminately pay its executives. Now that's kind of stealing a base, right? They, they admit that electronic arts stock is up over the long term and that so stockholders are probably pretty satisfied overall with the direction of the company and the value of the stock that they hold. They then say, we believe that these gains do not permit the company to indiscriminately pay its executives. That's absolutely true. Nobody is allowed to do anything indiscriminately when it comes to the fiduciary obligations of a company, but it also doesn't necessarily follow from the immediately predecessor clause, right? So when we look at something like this, this isn't an unusual set of statements from an activist investor. And CTW is an activist investor. They are from an organization called Change to Win. Change to Win is an organization committed to improving the lives of working people by their own marketing. We are a democratic federation of labor unions representing more than 4.5 million working men and women. So they are a labor unions investment group, or at least they are for purposes of this conversation. We believe in the power of collective action to serve as a counterweight to corporate interests and big money in Washington. Through innovative campaigns in the private sector economy, we strive to ensure that every person has a living wage, their workplace rights protected, benefits to support their family, and dignity in retirement. So breaking this down, Change to Win is a collective of unions, and the unions that collect these dues wind up with a lot of cash, and they want to invest them in something. Now, they have wound up investing in a lot of these public companies in an effort to do things like change their management, say, on pay proposals, to change the way their executives are paid. And there's nothing wrong with this at all. There's a lot of activist investors on the labor side, on different sides. There's a lot of investors that public companies learn to have to deal with. But these kinds of letters are not rare at all. In fact, if you go to CTW's press release page, you see that they do this all the time. Urge electronic arts shareholders to vote against say on pay proposal. Improve COVID-19 disclosures. Hey, we did a good job with Amazon. Urges Activision Blizzard shareholders to vote against say on pay proposal. Urges T-Mobile shareholders to do things on limitations on accelerated vesting of equity awards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is what they do. They buy up interest in companies sufficient enough to get proposals as part of their annual meetings, and then they ask the shareholders to do something. So that's not that unusual. What's a little bit more unusual is the result that we will see as part of this. Now, CTW sends out this letter. They also have a number of other things. They say they're addicted to special equity grants. They say Electronic Arts is doing some bad things, that they're above median despite laying off people, all this stuff. And in this messaging, I think there was a bit of resonance with the rest of the shareholders. In fact, I think Electronic Arts thought so as well. So what they wound up doing a week after CTW sent their letter was that Electronic Arts sent a supplement to the proxy statement that said, hey, whoa, hey, you still should vote for Proposal 2. Here's how good we've been doing. Our pay practices align with our financials. This is the same stuff as Google and Amazon and Apple. We raised our financial guidance. We're making you money. Why would you vote against this proposal? And they sent out a whole supplement document, probably because they had their finger to the wind and they saw which direction this was going, even though as of a month ago, I would have thought that the direction this wound up going was unlikely. Now, we're going to skip proposal three. That's just the approval of their accounting firm. There is still some discontent at the shareholder level of Electronic Arts with respect to that proposal. But more interesting is proposal four. This is a stockholder proposal. These are regularly voted down by the rest of the shareholders because the board says, hey, you know, that's just a stockholder proposal. That's not the way we want to operate. And yet, 
the shareholders here are going to look at this pretty fondly. Now, this is a, a right to act by written consent. The resolution they are seeking is as follows. Resolved, Electronic Arts shareholders request that our board of directors undertake steps as necessary to permit the written consent by shareholders entitled to cast the minimum number of votes necessary to authorize action at a meeting. Now, this is standard for very small companies. In fact, most of the companies that I help start up, the entrepreneurs that I work with, have a provision in their articles or certificate of incorporation or their bylaws that say, yep, we can absolutely operate by written consent so that we don't have to go through all the rigmarole of holding a special meeting or otherwise organizing these various things. It's a little bit more unusual in the public company space for reasons that you can probably understand. Right now at Electronic Arts, before this proposal is voted on or passed or what have you, the shareholders have to hit a certain threshold of approval to go ask the management to call a special meeting of the shareholders to do something new. So let's say the shareholders just decided that they wanted to get some board members removed. Then the shareholders would have to go and collect 25% of the outstanding shares to tell Electronic Arts to have a special meeting to remove the board members or any other kind of special meeting activity. It's not just limited to board of directors facing uh, activities. So when you have that kind of obligation, it prevents the shareholders from moving on an agile basis. So here the shareholders have expressed a certain amount of discontent with the management of Electronic Arts and have said, hey, we don't want to go through that two-step process and 25% that Electronic Arts has established is a pretty big threshold. Delaware law at its baseline only requires 10%, although companies are free to choose higher thresholds. They don't like that 25% and would instead like to act by written consent. But Electronic Arts says, whoa, 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 we should vote against that because 25% is a decent threshold. If you want to do something with this whole company, it's not a big deal to go get 25% of the vote in order to ask us to set up a meeting. And furthermore, if you act by written consent, you skip the entire discussion process. There's no proxy statements. There's no disclosures. There's no shareholders interacting, going back and forth about what's a good idea for the company. Instead, if you collect 50% plus one vote, you can go and you can take over the company. You can go and do something else by written consent. And we don't like that. So you can kind of see both arguments for for and against. The shareholders are now looking at this and saying, well, management makes it difficult. 25% is too high. And so what we want to do as shareholders is be able to act without having management approval. We want to have a shareholder vote essentially by written document that doesn't require management to even know about it, really. And so management says, whoa, 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 that's a bad idea. But then lo and behold comes the vote, which they just revealed a couple of days ago. And here we see the four proposals, the election of directors. So mostly the directors get voted up. There's very few votes against for most of these folks in terms of raw numbers or percentage of the votes outstanding, except for one. We see here that J.C. Hogue, unlike the rest who have 220 million plus, gets voted only 163 million votes and 70 million against. Now I should point out, that's a different spelling of Hogue. There's no relation to this. I am not making millions of dollars from electronic arts, so don't think that I am. But one of the interesting things about that particular issue is that Jay Hogue just happens to be the chairman of the compensation committee. This is a long-term shareholder mutiny over compensation of the executives at Electronic Arts. And we see that writ large with the votes on proposal two. Remember, that was the proposal for the shareholders essentially to sign off on the philosophy of paying Electronic Arts executives. And you see here, there are only 59 million votes for and 170 million votes against. 
that is a significant difference and a significant mutiny on what Electronic Arts has been paying its executives. This is a major, major problem for Electronic Arts and is going to cause some shuffling either at the board level or the management level because these shareholders have expressed their displeasure. Now, note what this also doesn't do. As we saw in the description of the proposal itself, this is only advisory. The board still gets to set the officer's executive compensation however they would like. That's the board's power. But now they have in their back pocket that the shareholders are upset about this. And not only are they upset about it, but if later on it were to be determined that the board was somehow not paying attention to how much it should be spending on officers, that there were comparables that were completely off of market and that the shareholders had every reason to be upset about these kinds of things, then now the board, by approving excessive compensation as seen in the eyes of the shareholders, could risk a shareholder lawsuit, what we would call a derivative action that the shareholders would take essentially on the right of the company as Electronic Arts, suing the board for breach of fiduciary duty by essentially wasting the assets, the cash and other compensation of the company through overpay of the executive. So now that you have this on the books, the board has a lot more to think about. Management has a lot more to think about. And the shareholders have gone along with the CTW letter in a way that a lot of other groups of shareholders haven't and expressed a concern with the way Electronic Arts is operating. Now, again, we'll skip the approval of the accounting firm. Not terribly exciting there. And then we get to item four. Consider and vote upon a stockholder proposal on whether to act by written consent for $124 million against $110 million. That basically passes. Now, again, we have a similar problem to proposal two here in which proposal four actually has to be done by the board of directors. A written consent power has to be a part of your governing documents requires at least a bylaws amendment, potentially a certificate, of, uh, a certificate of incorporation amendment. And so when you start to get into these kind of questions, there are ways that management and the board could maybe soften some of the language, do certain things, put together a written consent that still has a threshold approval, for instance, and get around some of what is required by those proposals. But what we have in front of us is in actuality, a full-on stockholder, shareholder mutiny that Electronic Arts has now gotten writ large chastised by its own shareholders for the executive compensation that it has put out there. So unlike, at least at present, Activision Blizzard, where we said, hey, you know, people can leave. There's no indication that there's a shareholder unrest for the compensation levels here, other than things like that CTW letter, which are not unusual for activist investors. This could be something that really starts to impact the rest of the community. So when you look at this, when you see other people report on this, now that you've gone through this with us in virtual legality, note those two things, that the shareholders have said they are unhappy with the way Electronic Arts is compensating its executives. And to some extent, they're unhappy with the direction of Electronic Arts because if Electronic Arts was making enough money, then the executive compensation probably wouldn't be that hot button of an issue. It's probably a close question. And here in 2020, every company in video games and elsewhere is struggling with what the future looks like. Here, the stockholders have said, no, we don't like that philosophy. You need to re-examine it. You need to reimagine it. And that might not affect a change immediately, but certainly the CTWs of the world, other activist investors in the video game industry and elsewhere will look at this and say, there are some real inroads here. There's some real unrest here because CTW doesn't own 170 million shares. They got a lot of shareholders to go along with them. So this is a story well worth paying attention to, not just in virtual legality, but elsewhere in the video game community and beyond.
This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy these conversations, talking about business and law through the prisms of the pop culture that you otherwise know and love, whether that's movies, music, TV, or video games, please do like, subscribe, share, hit the bell, tell other people that we are here and that we are having these conversations. I love to engage with new people in the comments to these videos. I will always link everything that we have talked to uh, talked about here. There's a lot of links to be done. Uh, otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.